0: Welcome to the Science of Parenting podcast, where we connect you with research-based information that fits your family. We'll talk about the realities of being a parent and how research can help guide our parenting decisions. I'm Mackenzie
1: Johnson, parent of two littles with their own quirks, and I'm a parenting educator. And I'm Lindy Buckingham-Shutt, a professor of human nutrition, guest co-host, and a mom to one sweet angel baby and one young happy eater.
2: And I'm Mackenzie DeYoung, a parenting educator and
1: the resident picky
2: eater.
0: (laughs) we love we're gonna have a resident picky eater while we talk about picky eating that just Mm -hmm. only goes right yes (laughs) so we are excited mackenzie You just gonna give us a little insight because today we're talking about picky eating yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) finally i was like like, like, finally and like the question right Mm -hmm. i was like would i feel like it's the question related to kids and food would you agree Oh, yes, 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, why? What do I do? It's like one of those things if you start to Google, which you shouldn't, but if you start to Google <laughs> kids and kids eating, and it's probably kids eating and picky eating.
0: Yeah. Kids not eating and picky eating. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. But probably more likely, yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. So we have a definition. And actually, Mackenzie, I kind of feel like I need your approval. Like, does this <laughs> track? Does this track? Okay. 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 Uh, by definition, actually, They basically the healthy eating research report says there's not a total agreement, uh, but in general, a formal definition of picky eating, also called food fussiness, which I like, love an alliteration. Uh the most common accepted commonly accepted definition, a rejection of a substantial amount of foods that are familiar or unfamiliar. Mm
1: -hmm. Does that sound familiar to some parents? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Listeners and (laughs) Mackenzie. Yeah, but but more specifically, when we do talk about picky eating, we can really uh, uh, put it into three specific characteristics. So mm-hmm. the first of that is, and it's going to be very familiar to some parents, is consuming a limited variety and amount of foods. So that's number one. Number yeah. two is we are getting nods from Mackenzie DeYoung. Yes, yep, yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> number, number two, so I'm going to see, I'm going to see have a lot of agreement I think for Mackenzie, <laughs> is rejecting foods based on certain sensory characteristics mm-hmm. and then often requiring the preparation or presentation of meals in a very particular way. I,
2: sensory sensory is huge for me. So mm-hmm. yes, 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 yes.
1: And, and then number three uh, is just the unwillingness to try new foods. And that's called food neophobia.
0: Mm-hmm. Also probably fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, i was say I as we were thinking about like the sensory and yeah, like the fear of new foods, like there are certain sensory things for you, right? It's not like, oh, any sensory food, like no, no, you have certain ones, right? It's sticky or slimy or stringy. Mm, stringy. Uh, I don't know if I've heard you say stringy before. Oh, like oranges
2: they're stringy. Oh, oranges, oranges are stringy. I'll do like juice, but the stringy. Yeah, I can't do mm. that. Um, okay. Let's see what else is on that list of three. Appearance, aroma, feel, texture. Yeah, the appearance is yes and no, but usually <laughs> it's the texture. Sometimes it's the flavor. I have zero spice tolerance. Zero. Mm. Like... I used to think pepper was spicy, like, (laughs) so that would probably be the, Mm -hmm. that one yeah, it's (laughs) sensory. I had
0: uh, a family member, tomatoes, tomatoes were too spicy. Um, Yeah, that was, that was new for me. That was Mm -hmm. uh, actually the family I married into. Uh, And uh, so, yeah, the. There's different levels of picky eating. And I think that's kind of what they talk about too, Lindy, right? That like there's a continuum, right? That there might be like some selectiveness versus mm-hmm. like a more extreme, like absolutely not willing to try new foods, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, all of picky eating is based off of a lot of different factors. Like a, different, a lot of things contribute to it. So mm-hmm. um and. So, like one thing we've talked about, temperament. Mm-hmm. Temperament is one of those factors, mm-hmm. right? Um, if you listen more, if you listen to the temperament episode, you might hear more about it, but there's like the genetic component to it. Um, so, that's something we've talked about before in different episodes as well. So, when we're born, we're predisposed to like sweet yeah. flavors. We were attracted to that and we're, we are, are trying to avoid bitter flavors because, again, that's food typically that we want to avoid, it could be poisonous. Um, mm-hmm. So that, that influences our picky eating as well. Um, and then there's also what our caregivers are doing. So like if your yes. parent doesn't like your, you know, your parent doesn't like to try new foods or they have a dietary restriction or they don't have the food in their house because they don't like it. Those are all things that yes. influence picky eating. Mm-hmm. So what about
0: you, Ken's? What do you, you're like,
1: okay, we talked about the definition.
0: You're like, mm, yep, that tracks. We learned a new word. I like that word food neophobia. Uh, but yeah, thinking about what contributes, what do you, I don't know. What would you say? (laughs) You know, and it's
2: a lot of these are so far back that I'm like, I don't
0: honestly honestly know a
2: lot of them. Um, Mm. One thing, and I'll totally call my sister out on this, is that I didn't like, I don't like gum. I don't Mm -hmm. like things that are anyway, and she would always, like, torture me with it because she's my sister, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what siblings are. Sibling
0: things, yep. Um,
2: So I feel like that made some of them worse, Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, I I don't really know what it was Mm -hmm. growing up that
0: that Mm -hmm. made
2: me such a piggy eater.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I'm like oh, temperament, obviously, well, uh, yeah. as we've obviously talked about. But it That's is, true. it's fun that I feel like we kind of lie on, not totally extremes, but like on different kinds of sides of. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, adventurous eating, high approach, high adaptability. Let's go. And you're like, no, thank you. <laughs> and I know at one point we've talked about
2: menus, right? You're like, I mm-hmm. want to try something new and different, and I'm novelty. Like, I'm like your husband, and like, I'm going to this restaurant this is what I'm ordering. If I'm going to there, I'm getting this sandwich. If I'm going there, I'm getting this wrap. If I'm going there, I'm getting that pizza. Like, nope. Mm, That's it.
0: (laughs) And I think I've told you this story before of, like, when my husband first kind of started going out to eat with my family, he would just always order chicken strips, like chicken Mm. strips and fries. And I was like, you're the worst. Why are you doing that? Um, and like my family, we would like tease him about it. Um, and then, yeah, like years later, I've learned since, you know, maybe teasing, not so nice. Um, (laughs) but also it was like for his, yeah, for his temperament, for like, it was also foods or restaurants. Maybe he wasn't used to, right. It was like a new place, new scenery, new menu, kind of new people. And I just want something familiar, right? Like I want something that I know is going to fill me up and, I, I like to refer to my husband as like a reformed picky eater. He's gotten more <laughs> curious about food and um, yeah, but that it makes sense when you think about the temperament component and like, yeah, I was sort of the family I married into. That would be his family, mm-hmm. right? That there's like generations of picky eating and not like selective. I don't even like to say picky eating. Selective. <laughs> they were selective yeah. about what they ate and that's okay.
1: Yeah. So I, and I, I think the important part that we should reiterate to parents listening on this is, Mackenzie, you're still kind of a picky eater, right? So like today <laughs> we're going to talk about tools to help your children overcome that picky eating because like yes. you said, your your husband's a reformed picky yeah. eater, selective <laughs> eater. And I think my mom's one of those too. Like mm-hmm. she has I come to understand the importance of, as I think Mackenzie DeYoung, you'll talk about like the importance of different flavors, but we also mm-hmm. want to talk about how to, how to, what strategies to use to help our kids overcome this now so we don't have to worry about them becoming a reformed collective eater <laughs> as an adult, right? Not,
2: I would not claim to be reformed. I think I'm still <laughs> in progress. So I was going to use the example. exact same phrase. I'm like, you're in progress. I'm you're in progress. on a the journey. Okay. There's probably examples that I use and I might come back around and say, okay, I'm going to work on, but Um, yeah, there's definitely things there that I'm, I'm, I'm not reformed yet. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say, um, I am going to use the note of chicken, uh, chicken strips. And I'm going to come back to that in a future, in one of the points in the future. All right. (laughs) Now I'm going to leave and let you guys discuss and I'll pop back (laughs) in a little bit
0: okay we'll see what we hear from her later (laughs) uh maybe she just doesn't want to uh hear us as we talk about the impact
1: (laughs) (laughs) perhaps perhaps, there is some
0: literature around that right like i mean one of the things that we saw that i read about in that healthy eating report um healthy eating research report was that kids with picky eating tendencies I don't – I'm trying not to call them picky eaters. I feel like that's not not positive language. It's not person-first language. Children who have picky eating tendencies, I'm in progress on that. Um, They tend to have lower intakes of vegetables. There might be some micronutrients like iron and zinc that they don't get quite enough of and that they can also be low in fiber.
1: But there's good news on that flip side, right? Yeah, there's good news. Well, first of all, I should say that for for – you know, a lot of kids, picky eating is, it's, well, kid, picky eating is very common, right? Mm. The research shows up to 50% or more kids go through this picky eating phase. And it's typically between the ages of two and nine. Um, mm-hmm. So I think some of it, this, we're going to have to like bear through it, but then persevere, um, <laughs> persevere. Yes. Persevere <laughs> through this time. Um, But we, I think a couple of things will will hopefully give you hope. So one is that picky eating does not have a consistent association with weight status and growth. So if you're, Mm -hmm. if you're finding like this is a struggle and you're worried about how much your kid's actually eating picky eaters or people who are picky, (laughs) eat picky. Um, you don't need to be necessarily worried about shoving food down their throat, nor should you do, you participate yeah, in those don't. activities. <laughs> um, so don't worry about those short term consequences. But I, you know, I think what we want to get through to you from this episode today is there are really strategies that can not over only help you overcome this these this food selectivity, these issues with eating, but we can really support during this time too that growth in, um, that growth in eating a variety of different foods and participating in those behaviors we want our kids to, to, to do to help them become healthy, independent eaters. So this is not a time where you have, it's not only focus on making sure they get food, but also offering a lot of strategies to making sure they get the variety and type of food that you, you want to see them eat. Absolutely. And
0: I'm actually kind of surprised that Mackenzie did not like come sprinting back in uh, (laughs) to be the devil's advocate, uh, which she's really good at. She's an excellent devil's advocate. I (laughs) I bet. I bet. Um, But the like, okay, well, then why worry about it? If it doesn't affect their weight status or their development, like, okay, why worry about it? Right? That's like a question she poses. Um, And yeah, like you were saying, it's about establishing a foundation, it's about the lifetime. And the human development person in me can't not say, we know that. older adults, right? That there are health issues that tend to come with age because Mm -hmm. our age is really a compounding of our previous life experience. So yeah, when they're in this temporary stage from ages three to nine, yeah, there's not like a consistent association with their growth and development. But if like you are 68 and you've never eaten a green vegetable or you've never been, you know, consistently taken in enough of this certain vitamin, there are health implications of that. Oh, so yeah. we're like long-term, right? We're going to play the long game. <laughs> yes, We're going to play the long game and that like, we're going to work towards a variety with all kinds of wonderful strategies that Lindy is
1: going to share with us. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. And there, I mean, these are all strategies we've talked about. I
0: feel mm-hmm. like
1: in detail in other episodes as well, but we're just going to bring back around and specifically talk about how we can use them for, for kids who are selective eaters. Um, so I was like,
0: I was like, what's the goal? We're going to increase food acceptance.
1: Yes. (laughs) Right.
0: Like Mm -hmm. not picky eating. No, no, no. We're going to flip that phrasing. How can we increase food acceptance? Well, and one of the big things, and you've talked about it before is the environment and like the structure we offer around food, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. So again, kind of going back to those um, food parenting practices. One of those is uh, providing structure and helping, mm-hmm. you know, create a, this positive food environment. So, uh, one of the first things, again, that I will repeat, even though I've repeated it again and again, is we need to provide repeated exposures to new foods. So, this is the most simple and effective strategy um, that literature shows us again and again promotes liking and intake of healthy foods among young kids. And it's often, I think, understandably, parents offer food one time and are like, Oh, my kid didn't like it. I'm not going to waste the time preparing it, offering it, um, and watching them reject it. But again, it can take 15 or more times of introducing a food to a kid to get them to like the food. I think actually the Mm -hmm. Healthy Eating Report talks about one study that cited it might take as many as 27 exposures in extreme cases extreme in extreme cases but i also
0: want to normalize like let's acknowledge for a second if you have not right if you have a picky eater and you're listening to this episode maybe you've been listening all season maybe you haven't you can go back and listen if you want um but like repeated food that sounds exhausting it sounds exhausting and frustrating to offer foods that I know my kids don't eat. Um, and I like, I, let's acknowledge that reality mm-hmm. that it's not as simple as like, well, just do it. And it's like, no, oh, there are other components that feed into that decision. Um, and it's the most effective, like that's the most effective strategy we have for increasing the likelihood that they will accept that food in the future. So like, I just want to, yeah, take a pause, take a moment to acknowledge. And it can also be anxiety inducing as a parent. Like, okay, the research tells me, <gasps> This will not affect their weight status. It should not affect their growth and development because this is a temporary period, mm-hmm. um, right? This is not the rest of their life because we have all these strategies to help them become reformed picky eaters. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I do think that's worth acknowledging in the midst of it. Like it can be hard and it's like the most effective strategy we have.
1: Yes. And there's a, ways to pair it with other things. So you don't maybe have to be as worried um, yes. about about it. I mean- Yes, we will continue on talking about this, uh, but Mm -hmm. to kind of wrap up this repeated exposures, I will say, you know, a lot of parents out there, me being one of them, are concerned about food waste. Like, I don't want to waste food, A, because it's money down the the garbage disposal or in the compost bin or in the garbage, Mm -hmm. but it's also, I don't want to contribute to this massive amount of food waste in our yes. society overall so make sure if you are you know offering that food provide it in smaller portions kids need smaller portions anyways they don't eat as much mm-hmm. as adults but providing a smaller portion and um, if you are cooking the same meal for your kids that you are for yourself which you should be doing mm-hmm. then which is know, the ideal that's the preferred that's the preferred <laughs> yes sorry not well Maybe not should is the right word, <laughs> yeah, but, we're yes, not shitting, is, but yes, <laughs> that is, that is the preferred way to do it. Um, mm-hmm. is that that food will hopefully then not go to waste. Yes.
0: And I, yes, I've literally seen, I mean, yeah, like people that I follow on Instagram that are like parenting and feeding experts, like a literal fork, like one single bite mm-hmm. is the serving on your plate and that's progress. Oh yeah. Yep. hmm that's yeah. that's food exposure.
1: <laughs> that is food exposure. Yeah, and it's and so, less
0: overwhelming to a child, right? To see like, okay, one bite, not a heap. One yes. bite.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's all. That's all part of another tip, which is creating a pleasant mealtime environment. So mm. that one of those things is like using appropriate size tools for your kids to eat with, using a right size plate. But it's also having a positive mealtime environment. So talking about the food you're eating, where it comes from, um, and then also I know this can be a struggle, but like eliminating distractions, so turning off music, turning off cell phone, turning off TV, those kind of things, so you can make it this environment where you guys can talk about the food, what you're eating, um, and all of all of those wonderful things. Absolutely, and again, as a
0: general practice, not as in. Every single night we do it this way and we do it right. And we do it like right as a general practice. The general experience of my children is a pleasant meal time at the table where we're
1: sharing the same food.
0: Even yes. if I love the asparagus and they're not fans. <laughs> yes. I mean,
1: and pleasant is, you know, take with what you will with that. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's not always going to be pleasant turning, turning off the TV or the cell phones or <laughs> all that doesn't always obviously lead to like, we're going to have a wonderful meal conversation today, but Trying to foster that environment is is the best practice. Um. Uh-huh.
0: Well, and I, I do think about, yeah,
1: what can our general
0: family practice to be be to help make it more pleasant? And I think back to that division of responsibility that I feel like has been a big contributor for me, that it's not a negative experience because I'm not fighting you about just eat it. Just have that bite. Just right. Because I'm not doing that, I can have a more pleasant experience, even if you ate exactly zero bites of the new food, mm-hmm. because it was my job to serve it. And it's yes. your job to decide whether and how much.
1: Exactly. Wow. Yes. Mm-hmm. And hopefully if you keep re- exposing them to it, at one point, <gasps> they will make the choice to eat it. <laughs> and it'll be pleasant when they eat it on their own.
0: <laughs> yes. That'll be exciting for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think the last kind of tip in this environment one is, you know, offering variety of foods at, at different meals. So like obviously snacks and and your your actual meals, like Offer fruits mm-hmm. and vegetables at those, so they are. That is an opportunity in that time to have that repeated exposure. And then the last tip, um, specifically around, kind of going back to that uh, mealtime environment, but look at who look at your your table arrangement. So um, one tip that I that I think it's good to talk about is seat your non choosy eater um, person who will maybe eat anything next to your more choosy eater, so that selective mm-hmm. eater, um, so that they're modeling that that you know positive behavior to them. Yeah. The peer modeling is happening. Mm-hmm. You can, it
0: can happen in your own house in a positive way.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: We love that. Okay. So in addition to offering structure, another helpful food parenting practice is that idea of autonomy or encouraging choice, right? Healthy, independent eaters. Uh, so, and that can help them accept more nutrient dense, healthful foods.
1: Oh yes. Yeah. 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 Lots of yeah.
0: strategies yeah. within that. It's like, how do we provide autonomy? We'll tell you.
1: We'll tell you. And one of them is kind of just coming off that last strategy is model for um, kids, how delicious food can be, you know, Mm -hmm. their kids are going to be quicker to try a new food. If you're, if you're showing that you accept it, if you're showing that you enjoy it um, and also the other people around them at the table. Absolutely. And
0: then there's some that, you know, we've talked about all season that we've heard you say, you know, talking about offering positive reinforcement in the form of like, Positive fra- like po- praise and connection of like, wow, you were really curious about that. That was fun for me to see. Or that's an interesting combination. Uh, and doing like non-food rewards when we think about reinforcement. We don't want to reinforce the bad food because mm-hmm. it's the reward you get. It's the dessert. And like you have to suffer through this other thing. Um, so we avoid the non-food rewards. And instead we can offer praise and connection as a form of positive reinforcement. You've talked about that lots all season. Um, And then another one you've talked about is encouraging kids to explore new foods using a variety of senses. And so, you know, we've talked about in terms of like taste, but even like having it on your plate, like a willingness to have it on your plate, like that's progress from you, no, get that away from me. And then, Oh, you sniffed it right what's it smell like Mm -hmm. right the curiosity and so there's other ways to explore food um you're not necessarily like again food waste it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be this big messy play thing um it can be (laughs) but um also just considering sniffing it that's progress that's uh, they were at least willing to try that yes Um, so our senses are a good tool
1: they're a great tool, and I, I think this is something often hard for parents to get over. At least, maybe type A parents like me who want a clean home, uh, and you know, and you're also worried about your children's um, uh, manners at the table. But yes. some of this, like the sensory things, might be hard. Right, our kids are touching with their hands their food or they're smelling their food. Like that in a lot of situations might be considered not polite. Right. But yes. normalize that. Okay. This, is this is a way for them to familiarize themselves with this food. Um, and I, even for me, like we just, uh, got new dining room tables and the, one of the mm. top things for me when I was looking to get new chairs was, um, I need them to be, uh, easily cleanable because i know that <laughs> they are going to get dirty because food's going to get on them from tasting or touching food and pot probably throwing it
0: yeah see and we have a set of dining like our dining room chairs have which is really like i call it a dining room the chairs at the table the only one we have um <laughs> i we got them like on like a swap they're thrifted and then i was like hey i'm crafty ish and i like put on this new fabric Made a bad choice. It was a light color. Mm-hmm. And my kids are messy eaters. That is that is the case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so, yeah. Okay, that happens. That is what it is. Someday I'll have chairs that won't be looking like that not today is not that day
1: i don't know maybe so you can though they're part of your child's artwork right like right like
0: uh-huh. i'll put them up on the wall uh, it's thrifting <laughs> too right Reuse. Oh, so yeah. it'll be like a, a memoir or what is it a memento to my children's childhood mm, <laughs> are these like disgusting it. chair covers <laughs> mm-hmm. yes uh okay anyway autonomy food what about that <laughs> uh one uh what you've talked about a couple different times is pairing foods together right an unfamiliar food with a familiar food oh Mackenzie Mackenzie Young has things to say She has come back on screen here explain it and then I will give examples for this one okay uh so one strategy we've heard Lindy share is like flavor flavor right like a familiar dip with an unfamiliar food or flavor nutrient like this food that you maybe don't love right Carrots, this is the purpose it serves in our bodies, right? Like carrots have the types of things that we need for our eyes. That's important. So those are two strategies for pairing things together. What do you got, (laughs) Ken. As we
2: were talking through this, I thought, I feel like I kind of went flavor, 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 because (laughs) I regrettably now did not like ranch dressing because I thought it was (laughs) sticky. Mm, Sticky, yep. Sticky, that's one of those things that I'm sensitive about. Um. Uh, well, I started kind of being like, everybody likes ranch, right? I gotta try. it. Well, I, we're from the Midwest, so everybody in the Midwest <laughs> ranch, right? So, okay, I'm gonna try it with like you said, the chicken strips. So, I'm gonna try it with things that mm-hmm. I like strips, and then maybe I get like a chicken ranch wrap because that's like the okay. you know, familiar kind of dressing. You still have like the chicken strips, basically mm-hmm. inside the wrap with the ranch and then you start to get a little bit of lettuce in there right mm-hmm. so incorporate some of those things but really i didn't eat salad until i was in college mm. yeah i had tried it a couple of times gagged and i was done mm. um but what i realized was i was trying it straight as just like lettuce i was not oh. all of the other things so once i no started- flavor
1: flavor no right. flavor no flavor bridge there was no nothing yeah, for you to literally yeah.
2: So once I started to like ranch dressing and I realized I could make a salad starting off with croutons and cheese and, you know, the good stuff. The with yummy things you like. Right. I started eating salad. And guess what? I have a salad for supper waiting for me down in the refrigerator. So oh, look at that. In <laughs> fact, that, that pairing Progress. of like, sometimes what you have for the picky eater is mostly the thing that they like. Just a little bit of that other thing, and maybe over time it'll it'll transform into portion of it. Yeah, eating a salad. Mm -hmm. That's that's my flavor flavor example.
0: Yes, I love that. And (laughs) now we know what you're
1: having for dinner.
0: Yes, good, good. Actually, (laughs) funny enough, we are also having salad Ah, for my family tonight. That's one of uh, (laughs) like our side dishes.
1: (laughs) That's so fun.
0: But yeah, I I love that. Of yeah, in reality, it was and it was it was a process like you said like it's progress it along is. the way mm-hmm. and i think as yep. parents sometimes are so caught up and like they only want to eat mac and cheese and it's like wow. hey this time there was breadcrumbs on the mac and cheese that was new yeah that's progress like we can and celebrate the other, the other thing is i'm
2: 30 <laughs> 30 I'm still, working mm-hmm, on it. Mm-hmm. I'm still working on it so even mm-hmm. if your kids aren't you know little anymore like there's still a chance that you will, that they'll grow and develop to like these things. It's really, I feel like the exposure and the, yeah, that pairing. Mm-hmm. You, so, yes. All right. Well, thank
1: Thanks. you for sharing your own story. That was, that, yeah. that is good to think, we actually that. cure it in practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. We love that. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Ken. I'll say, yeah. we'll see
0: if she like jump. Are you going to jump in on us any other times? I don't know.
2: Well, I don't. I, there's another one coming up. So I might just sit here and listen.
0: and Okay. <laughs> Okay, yeah. Well, Lindy, uh, I believe you have a few more strategies here uh, yes. for encouraging food autonomy
1: and food acceptance. So what have we talked about a lot throughout different our different episodes is including kids in food preparation. So this could be things from growing, so having them garden mm-hmm. with you, choosing, so going to the actual grocery store and having them mm-hmm. pick food with you, preparing Having them at the counter with their own appropriate ut- or mm-hmm. tools to, to um, prepare food with, and then serving yeah. food at home, and also in the school setting. So um, mm-hmm. this, this is going to be obvi- obviously one strategy to help create that autonomy, build that confidence, and help them really, you know, learn why they're eating what they're eating. Mm-hmm.
0: And I like the different stages you're talking about. Like, right, like growing food cleaning food preparing food like those are all different parts they can be associated with i think often parents like oh, it's, i don't want to cook with them at the stove um, right. right or like i don't feel it like my child's a little too impulsive still for mm-hmm. it's like wait mm-hmm. there there are a variety of steps they can be involved in yes
1: 100 percent. yeah mm-hmm and, and there's a lot of
0: benefit offered- for doing that, right? Oh, sorry, Ken. Oh,
2: I was just gonna say, my nephew offered to make me an omelet the other day, and I don't oh. even know how to make an omelet. So <laughs> he's clearly been involved in that.
1: <laughs> and
0: there's a lot of great benefits to it too, right?
1: Oh yeah, yep. It kind of again, like I said, like it really helps provide that comp, helps them build that confident, feel important and proud. So you know, again, building that autonomy. Um, and then some of the things that we have talked about in other sub episodes, it helps with math learning and science mm-hmm. learning and things like that. Um, and just learning new vocabulary in general. It's an opportune time to talk to your kid, just talk to your kids, mm-hmm. but then to use new vocabulary as well. Mm-hmm.
0: And we always say, like, when we talk about getting teens to talk, right, being in the... um Like being in the same vicinity, but not directly looking at each other. We talk about like the magic of riding the car together or like Mm -hmm. going on a walk. Cooking is another opportunity where you don't have to be like staring into each other's faces while you talk about something like I can be chopping and you can be stirring and uh, another really great opportunity there. (laughs) Yes uh well and one more that i don't feel like we've really touched on yet this season is the idea of kind of getting creative with foods in positive ways Mm -hmm. um you know positive ways to offer it positive ways to talk about it i mean just a few examples I, i think of like think about being humorous playful silly when it comes to food like making up a name for this food like Dragon bites or talking about like a familiar character, right? Like, oh, you know what? So-and-so really loves broccoli, right? From like a favorite show. Or I mean something we've even done. Um, this is so silly. I'll like cover my eyes and I'll be like, I wonder which bite you're gonna eat next. Are you gonna have are you going to have like a drink of milk? Are you going to eat the meat? Are you going to eat the or like the vegetable? I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to see. And then I'm going to guess. <gasps> I think you ate the vegetable. And, then they're, and they're like, no, I had milk. Uh, and it's just a way to kind of get us eating. That's just playful. Um, you know, especially with my distractible children, like getting them back on track, back towards the food uh and you know and even things like i mean yeah my kids are little your teens might not be so into this um but like how would a bear eat this how would a lion how would a how would a squirrel like how would a snake uh you know and it's again but the whole idea of like a positive environment but in a way they're still in charge of whether or not they take a bite or how big of a bite or what they take a bite of we're still providing autonomy but we're having playfulness and encouraging that eating of these new foods
1: Yeah. Those taste testing games have been proven Mm. to be really effective. Um, like offering saying like, let's, let's talk, let's like rate these foods. So I think a really good example is bell peppers come in all different colors. So having a plate of different colored bell peppers and, uh, you know, including like hummus or ranch or something on the plate, if they're, they want that flavor flavor combo, but then Mm -hmm. like rating which of these peppers is the best or talking about like, well, what, what does this color taste like versus this color? Um, or other strategies are like making food more appealing we all we Mm -hmm. all like appealing like food that looks good right I mean that's a big Mm -hmm. thing so using like cutting food into different shapes using cookie cutter to you know cut it in the shape of their favorite cartoon or something or um, I also think
0: of like when people like set up their salad really like aesthetic Mm -hmm. I'm like I feel like as a teen, right? Like that can be you can be the one plating our food, right? To like pretty have sure it served,
1: board. Mm-hmm.
0: right? Like you can. This is social media worthy. <laughs>
1: yeah, definitely. Yeah, like it oh, is. I put that on. Yep, I would put that that take that picture and put it on social media. That that kids kids appreciate that those types of things too. So mm-hmm.
2: one of the things that I think of a class that we do is called Growing Up Wild. It's for childcare providers. Mm-hmm. But on every page, like with every lesson plan, they have a snack that comes with it. That is super mm-hmm. fun. Like they're all super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but a couple that come to the mind of like, you know, play and not really playing with your food, right? But like trying ants on a log. So that would get me, I would, you know, be into it for the peanut butter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try it for the celery and for the raisins, but it's good exposure, right? It's fun. There's ants on mm-hmm. a log. Uh, one that Mackenzie had mentioned that. I was like, oh yeah, that's a really good one. They're called track crackers. Basically use any mm-hmm. sort of cracker. Make it use like peanut you know, butter, cream cheese, uh whatever other hummus. sort of.
1: Hummus. Yeah. French
2: onion dip. Yeah. Like a, like a dirt layer on top. And then <laughs> you put say chow mein noodles or like little carrot stick pieces or mm-hmm. whatever you really drum up yeah right that you like stick them on there i should have an i wish i had an example yeah. you, like, <laughs> stick them on there like like a bird stepped there or like a mountain lion there and you're like look at my track cracker
0: huh. and it's great because i feel like crackers right crackers they're an appealing texture they're consistent every time as we think about picky eaters crackers are typically not what they're saying are off limits for them right? Like crackers are like, <laughs> crackers are safe. People like, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, that's a generalization that could, there could be exceptions to that, but so it's also, yeah, you're pairing a familiar likable cracker with maybe that new dip or, and some novelty and excitement and fun. Mm-hmm. I love
1: that. That's a lot of strategies in one. That is <laughs> amazing. Yes. And so <laughs> I'm going to leave you with one last strategy parents that I think is a really important one. Cause it, I am sure this is easy trap to fall into. Mm. Um, Cause I could see myself doing this, but Uh, I encourage you not to become a short order order cook. So um, studies show that 70% of parents of toddlers get up from the table and make an alternative when the toddler refuses the first offering of that food. So 70%,
0: 70%, that's a lot of us. Yeah,
1: that's a lot. And I can see why I think I would fall in. I think I would potentially do this. But resist mm-hmm. the temptation to pr- prepare special meals for that picky eater. The, mm-hmm. the tip that I will provide you, because obviously you do want them to eat food, is offer the same foods to everybody. But try to at least have one thing that you know that that child is going to like on the table. Mm. Yes. Uh, tonight, along with
0: our salad, we are having tortellini, which my daughter does not like. And I love. <laughs> um but so I bought like a salad kit that I'm like you've had this one before you like this one um and we're having uh like a canned fruit that like she likes mandarin oranges. Um and so that was like my safe spot. You don't like tortellini but you like mandarin oranges. You like the meat that we mm-hmm. typically have um even if you don't like tortellini. I, I want great. you
2: to, I want you to do a flavor flavor with the tortellini and tell okay. her
0: that you dip it in like whatever she wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. She yeah there is, there's ranch in the fridge. So <laughs> there's also ketchup. There's, I'm going to have pesto, I think. <laughs> I'm going to skip the ketchup on my delicious. tortellini.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's
0: something she likes. Mm-hmm. But I do think you're right, Lenny, that it is, it's tempting, especially because it is exhausting to like prepare food and then your kids don't eat it. And especially if you are, it's natural to feel concerned. Like, well, I don't want them to not eat anything. Um, Remembering not to become a short order cook is a, mm-hmm. that's a good a good tip because it's a hard one. It's a hard one. So
1: again, just have that. I think Mackenzie, your example is so amazing and thank (laughs) you for doing this, but yeah, having those foods, you thought about it, obviously you prepared that ahead of time. You thought in your head, this is what she's going to like. She's not going to like this, but she's going to like this. So there will be food on that table. She will eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In
0: fairness, I'm also as you were as we were talking through this episode, Mackenzie DeYoung was talking about examples from that class. And there's like a camouflage one where you're like make a salad, but then yeah. you put peas in it. And it's this idea of camouflage that's hidden in there. Like the one of my peas, kids put a little caterpillar in there. Right. And one of my kids does not like peas. And I'm like, you know, I've kind of just accepted that one. I've just been like, yep, peas, you don't like it? And I'm like, oof. I don't know that I've done repeated exposure. So in case you were like, oh, my gosh, what a wonderful role model she is. I'm also like, and I have lots of areas for improvement because peas have not been repeatedly exposed. We got to do that. I'm going
1: to do that.
2: Okay. And they're better, they're better with ranch. So, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Blavor, Flavor, flavor. We love it. That, that, is, that is a very subjective thing. I do not think they're better with ranch.
0: <laughs> I do like my Fair. peas. Fair. This was like the meal in high school. We talked about teens before. A box of mac and cheese. Right. Box mac and cheese frozen peas like they're not frozen when you mm-hmm. like you cook them but mm-hmm. i don't yep. want canned ones i want frozen yep. ones and like a hot dog or like a sausage or all in one bowl that was like ah, the meal in high school <laughs> and college um i do like peas but that's how i prefer to have them
2: no. <laughs> <Fair>.
1: <laughs>
2: all oh. right out again and uh, let you go to the next section OK,
0: I'll say and we do have we yeah we walked through all these strategies, lots of which you've heard us say throughout the season. We wanted to reinforce these strategies are also effective with picky eating. They are. Yes, with I almost said I was like, did I say picky eaters? No, with the practice or the behavior of picky eating, uh, they are effective, which is one of the reasons the recommendations, knowing that most kids or at least half about will go through this kind of picky eating phase. Mm-hmm. These strategies are effective.
1: How about we say low food acceptance? I feel like I'm getting towards oh, this at the yes. end of the episode, but low food acceptance. But we're getting acceptance. there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: When a child has low food acceptance, I like that. <laughs> it's like how we were flipping – we were trying to flip from unhealthy to less nutrient-dense, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's not about whether it's healthy because that's all relative. Is it like we were talking about nutrient-dense foods? Okay. Whew. New language. Language is good.
1: We're getting yes. there. Mm-hmm.
0: And I was like, saying <laughs> – and speaking of language.
1: <laughs> mm, good segue. Uh,
0: right in addition to all the strategies we were talking about we uh, lindy actually brought us this resource from the university of idaho from dr fletcher and dr brannon at university of idaho that's basically talking about some ways we talk about food particularly talk about low food acceptance um whether a phrase we're using is hindering our kids' food acceptance, or whether it can help them increase their food acceptance. So we kind of want to do this, like, flip the switch game of, mm-hmm. like, was this helpful or how can we make it more helpful? So, okay, I will say the less helpful and kind of give you a little bit of reasoning why it's not so helpful. And Lindy will give us an alternative of what we could say instead. Yeah? Ready?
1: Perfect. Let's do okay. it. Let's do it. Okay.
0: So instead of something like, oh, please just eat that for me, or if you don't eat that bite, I'm going to be mad. Right. So that's phrases we might say. But what these phrases really teach is that they should eat in order to get your love and approval. Right. Which is not why we eat. So this can lead them to kind of have like unhealthy behaviors. They're not listening to themselves about hunger and food. So instead we might say something like.
1: "Yeah." So we want to use phrases that point out the sensory qualities. Again, something we talked about a food and encourage our child to try the new food. So something you might want to say something like this is this is kiwi fruit. It's sweet like a strawberry or these radishes are very crunchy. So, you know, Mm -hmm. giving that kind of talking to your child and giving those sensory qualities. Yes. Instead of making it, I want you to try this for
0: me. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, these are things you can notice about them that might encourage it. Love that. Okay. Another one. Uh, Phrases like, oh, you're such a big girl. You're such a good eater because you ate all your peas, right? We're talking about peas. (laughs) Or like, oh, did you see your sister, she did a good job. She ate all of her plates or all of her banana. Uh, you, you know, even another one like, I need you to take one more bite before you leave this table. You cannot leave this table till you have at least one bite. So all of those phrases really teach our kids to ignore their fullness, right? That should really be the cue of when kids eat is related to their hunger and full, and when they stop eating it should be related to their fullness. And if we're talking about, well, you need to be like so and so or what should decide is whether or not you finished your plate or finished your serving. Uh, that teaches them to ignore that hunger and that fullness, which should be what drives their eating.
1: So instead, yeah. we could say things like. <laughs> so instead, yes, instead, you want to help your child recognize when he or she is full and help prevent overeating um, by saying things like, is your stomach telling you that you're full mm-hmm. or is your stomach make, still making that growly noise or has your tummy had enough? those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I'm like,
0: okay, yes, I I'm feeling good about that one because this next one I'm not feeling so good about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we practice more of the, like, are you feeling full or are you still hungry? This one, I feel like I can work on. Um, so if your child is like refusing a food, right? Like they, oh, I don't want to try that. And they finally, like if they were or maybe it's like the first time they try it after a super long time, right? That repeated exposure, they finally try it saying something like see that wasn't so bad was it Mm -hmm. um i would say i usually say it to shame like see that wasn't so bad like Mm -hmm. i'm not trying necessarily to prove that i'm right but more i've seen it as like positive reinforcement but it can come off as like shamey right Mm -hmm. that like well good thing you ate it because i was right about how good it was right it's like "Mm." oh yeah that's probably not the most helpful. I, I can rethink with some different phrases, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Again, this kind of gets back to like letting your child feel like they're making their own decisions They're an independent Mm -hmm. eater. They have autonomy. So, so, um, shifting the focus towards the taste of food rather than what, then, then who was right in in what you're eating. So try saying things like, do you like that? Or Mm -hmm. which one is your favorite? Um, everybody likes different foods, don't they? Mm -hmm.
0: and I do I think about in conversations where I've maybe said like see it wasn't so bad um yeah it can reinforce the power struggle of like I wanted you to try this and you didn't want to and I win um and like oh that's not the goal the goal is not for me to win even though I have to tamper down that is an instinct I have I'm gonna tamper down that instinct to yeah like so what did you think and yeah and if your child says I like it I liked it and I'm like that's awesome you tried a new food and you liked it I can Mm -hmm. still get at the idea of trying the new thing was good like it wasn't as bad as you thought without being like see it wasn't so bad i was right
1: yeah mm -hmm, i'm I'm
0: working on flipping that one that one i'm gonna work on uh -hmm. and then we have one more here which we have talked a little bit about um phrases or ideas like no dessert until you eat your vegetables or if you stop i will like if you stop crying i will give you a cookie or if you stop crying i will get you those chips i think of that like in the places where we access our food right so if you're at like the mm-hmm. food pantry the gas station the grocery store like if you stop i will this and mm-hmm. of course those are examples of using food as a reward for behavior um you know and again it can kind of like villainize like ooh, the vegetables, the thing i have to tolerate so that i can get to the good stuff and we're not trying to promote
1: that yep yep no restrictions or rewards because again mm-hmm. that's just creating these bad behaviors, these bad um, attitudes uh, mm-hmm. around food. So instead, it's not to say you can't use rewards, but use non-food rewards. So mm-hmm. you could do things like just giving your child attention and kind words, like that positive reinforcement through your words, um, mm-hmm. showing them love, giving them hugs and kisses, um, spending time with them. So, So the phrases you could try to use are like, we can try vegetables again another time. Next time, would you like to try them raw instead of cooked? Or you could say, like, oh, I'm really sorry you're sad. Come here and let me give you a hug. Mm-hmm. And I think of, yeah, times that
0: we've been like, okay, this was hard for you. You were like the tortellini thing. Like, you're disappointed. You were hoping this was the kind of pasta you like. You were hoping it was bow tie pasta. Um, like, I understand. You're disappointed that this isn't your favorite one, and instead it's my favorite that you don't really like that much. Like, that I could see why that's disappointing. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, again, it's not about the power struggle. And I think I love this idea of like, ooh, yeah, maybe I say that. Instead, I could say this in a way that's going to promote more positive behaviors and beliefs and attitudes in our kids when it comes to food. Yeah. So I love that. Hinder or help. And we want to help have strategies that help us increase their food acceptance. Okay, yes. now now I feel like I'm in flow. Now I can say that phrase, increase their food acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm kind of curious now, that's that's what we had for our script and our strategies and research and reality and all the things above. Uh, I'm gonna, Mackenzie DeYoung, do you have anything you'd like to ask us for stop-free talk? <laughs> or, we just off the hook. You're like, no, I've I said my piece. <laughs>
2: so I don't know if I have questions, but I do have, um, <laughs> Some things for myself this week to do. So oh. just, you know, modeling, modeling the behavior of doing it myself so that I can be a good model of it. Oh. Um, I've decided that this week I'm going to um, smell some new foods. Mm. <laughs> I love that.
1: <laughs> oh, I hope you report back and tell us what you smelled.
2: Right. Um, so there's certain things that I'm like, mm, but I'll, I'll, I'll smell them, you know, just mm-hmm. give them a test. Um, I am going to try to put some things that I typically wouldn't even put on my plate on my plate. Yes. So, as I'm meeting meals with others, like I might say, okay, well, we'll put a couple of those on my plate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to see if there's a chance throughout the week to try a new flavor flavor combo. So, maybe there's something oh, that I wouldn't typically eat that I can dip in ranch or ketchup or <laughs> put in the pasta. That's another one is like put mm-hmm. it into my pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. so Mix the- it
0: into something.
2: Let's yeah, so those are the three things that I'm I'm telling myself. Those are my goals for the week to try, um, mm. increase my
1: acceptance of food. Right? Yeah. Increase um, your food acceptance. Good job. Acceptance. We're getting yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that so much. You that such a good example? Maybe parents again. Maybe this is over. I think you've put out some the, a really good example or a really good point too. Um, that this could be overwhelming and exhausting trying to do all these things at one time. So yeah, pick three things you want to try. I'm mm-hmm. not saying like. Even maybe you, maybe you don't feel like doing all these things right now or you can't do all these things. <laughs> right. So three
2: things is great. Even mm-hmm. if it's as simple as smelling new foods.
0: It sounds weird, but I'm right. going to do it. I'm gonna try and I it. also think you are giving an example, right? There, We have listeners too. Like, yes, I'm like, I'm an adventurous eater. Yay. Not every parent is. Like right. some parents are much more on your end of the continuum. And so as they think about if they have a child who has low food acceptance, um, you know, that they are like, okay, some of it is – I'm going to reflect on my modeling this week, Mm -hmm. right? This week, I'm going to do this one thing related to that. Um, And yeah, you have me thinking, I'm like, okay, my goal setting, I'm going to serve peas in the next week. We're going to have peas. Uh, And I'm going to like avoid the, see, wasn't that good? If my child tries to do food, I'm going to work on the, what did you think? Uh, How was that? And then, yes, if she likes it, then I'll be like, you tried something and it was good for you. Like, and it was good to you. So I'm yeah, and honestly, you know,
2: I was eating some meals with my niece and nephews this weekend and mm-hmm. I was thinking like, Ooh, the, the idea of just like putting some of those things on my plate as a model, even if I'm exposing myself, yes. to it, like then maybe they'll like my nephew mm-hmm. would be like, Oh, maybe I should put that on my plate. So I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it for me, but also for them and try to try to yes. increase that as well. So. Yep.
0: Uh, and my partner will also maybe have to practice that this week when I serve peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> He's also not a big fan. <laughs> just put a few on your plate. Yeah, just, <laughs> just put them on there. It's good modeling, <laughs> and it's good—it's
1: good repeated food exposure for you too. Okay, huh? Uh, what?
0: <laughs> maybe uh, not totally reformed, uh, but yeah, thinking, eater. I claim.
1: <laughs> Again, another good point here is if you are a parent of a teenager or an adult who's a yeah. you know a, a low food acceptance eater. um, That it's never too late to try some of these strategies too. So very true if you're listening to this and you, you know, completely relate to Mackenzie and what everything she's saying about her eating as well. Like don't feel, don't feel like you're doing things wrong. Mm -hmm. Just try some of these strategies yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think of some of the like obstacles you've overcome as you work towards progress on picky eating. I had fewer obstacles related to my temperament related to the adults yeah. around me related to, and so it's not a matter of like, I did better than you. Right. That's <laughs> not the case. We started no at a different no baseline. Yeah. We're starting at a different baseline and that's okay. If your baseline right now as a listener is like, well, I could work towards being more like Mackenzie de Young. Uh, right. Like, that would be progress. Like that's great. Like those are all good that's things. Cool. We started that's different cool. baselines and that's okay.
2: If you still are unsure about
0: salad. Just put
2: a
1: little on your plate. Maybe just try it. it. It's crazy. Do like a- it differently. Put it with something you really like. Flavor, yeah. flavor. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Just a little step at a time.
0: It's really
2: about taking one tiny bite at a time.
0: Mm-hmm. One bite at a time. Okay, with that, I am going to leave. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I got my food pun in for the season. Did it. <laughs> oh. it was awesome. Lovely. Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah, I do. I feel like this is like the episode that people are like, "Oh, kids and food, tell me about that." And mm-hmm. yeah, understanding that it's a developmental phase, there's a like it makes sense why it happens. There's things different things that contribute to it and that it's temporary, that we have all kinds of strategies to help our kids increase their food acceptance as they get older. Um and yeah, even if you have kids that are not in that 3 to 9 kind of typical range that are have low food acceptance, there's still strategies. These strategies can work for you too, um, just adapt adapting them for your family. Uh, and yes, the persevering, repeated mm-hmm. food exposure is top of mind. And then we have lots of other ones to tap into as well. Oh yes, mm-hmm. persistence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, persistence. Persevere. We can do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then next week, right? Next week we're gonna kind of wrap the season up. I know. <laughs> Are you sad? I am. I am. And I'm like, what what are we going to do for this season? I like Lindy. Oh, I have ideas. I have ideas. Mm -hmm. Well, you can tell me about them. I want all the ideas. We're keeping you around. I voted. I mean, I haven't talked to you about it, but I voted. (laughs) And, you know, so much voting power I have to make you do things. None. Zero. Uh, But, yeah. So, next episode, we're going to wrap up the season. And kind of, like, we're off. kind of going to go back to a little bit of season or
1: the first episode of the season too. So we'll tie all of it together Mm -hmm. that we talked about. Talk about a little bit of what influences what your kids eat. Talk a little bit about dietary guidelines for Americans and why that's important for all of that and how all of that can influence what your kids are eating from all the way at that community culture level to your individual kiddo level. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Excited to dig into that for kind of the last uh, episode of the season. But for now, thank you for joining us today on the Science of Parenting podcast. Don't forget that you can subscribe to us on any podcast app, whichever one is your favorite, and you can stay caught up with our content.
1: So come along with us as we tackle the ups and downs, the ins and outs, and the research and reality all around the science of parenting.
2: The Science of Parenting is hosted by Mackenzie Johnson, produced by Mackenzie DeYoung, with research and writing by Barbara Dunn-Swanson. Send in questions and comments to parenting at iastate.edu and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. This institution is an equal opportunity provider. For the full non-discrimination statement or accommodation inquiries, go to
1: www.extension.iastate.edu slash diversity slash ext.